Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today's episode is presented by Lloyd's Banking Group. Everyone deserves a safe place to call home. That's why Lloyd's Banking Group has championed the social housing sector for decades supporting more than 340 housing associations across the UK. Davos Confidential will get started after a short message from this week's sponsor. Today's episode is presented by Goldman Sachs. Today, sustainable finance is no longer on the sidelines, but increasingly core to a company's business. That's why Goldman Sachs is targeting $750 billion in sustainable finance growth themes by 2030. Learn more at gs.com slash sustainable finance. Coming to you from the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, you're listening to Politico's Davos Confidential podcast. Welcome to Davos Confidential, our special daily podcast series from the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. I'm Miriam Mumtaz, Politico's correspondent in France, and that sound you hear is our political crew schlepping through the snowy streets to find our apartment in this mountainous winter wonderland. Next stop, Davos Dorf. But after a plane, three trains, and a treacherous walk up the icy hill, our team made it safely, and we are ready to bring you special daily podcasts from Davos and a regular EU Confidential episode on Thursday. You'll hear from world leaders, top CEOs, and people who are here to address some of the world's most ambitious challenges. And to help me navigate it all, we have Politico's Ryan Heath. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Reem. So good to have you back. It's a pleasure to be here. And our producer, Christina Gonzalez. Hi, Christina. Hello, and hi to Ryan. Hey. So throughout the week, we will also be joined by Davos veteran Florian Eder and our editor-in-chief, Stephen Brown. So Ryan, can we start by laying out what to expect this week? Yeah, so if you have not been here to Davos before, there are the 3,000 official participants, which includes more than 100 billionaires, 280 public leaders, and 53 heads of state or government. So there's a lot of power concentrated here, but it's about 15,000 people descending on this mountain, and they come from all walks of life. Obviously, there's a very elite gathering, but it's not just the people you would expect here. And it's also only 24% of women this year? Oh, yeah, and that's a record. So for years, the World Economic Forum has struggled to increase the participation levels of women. They've even tried to give away free tickets to the corporate uh, clients who, who buy these expensive passes to come here. And some of those companies refused to even use their free ticket because they didn't want to offend some of the very senior men in their organization by allowing a more junior woman to come and use this free ticket offered by the WEF. So the WEF's been on the right side of the struggle, but they haven't been succeeding, we have to say. And now they've hit a record 24 so Ryan and Reem, maybe you guys can kind of lay out the top priorities of what people will be talking about this week. So it's interesting, right? Because this year, it's all about the climate. 
everywhere you walk. Like every second billboard is about climate. If the company isn't literally putting its logo forward, it's trying to make some statement about climate and sustainability. Is that more reputational whitewashing or is that actually going to be substantive, you know, change? I feel like it's a bit of both. Like we're starting to see in particular with finance much bigger commitments towards financing the sort of technological changes, the sort of big projects that might actually help us protect our planet. At the same time, a lot of the world's biggest banks are still the ones funding fossil fuel projects, coal mines, for example. Uh, so there is a lot of work that has to be done. And we're going to see people that range from Greta Thunberg, who is basically the star in chief of the World Economic Forum now. She is put forward ahead of even Donald Trump and Angela Merkel in the lists of amazing speakers you can hear from this week. So you've got people like her. You also have uh, CEOs and tech investors, people that you would not expect who are basically ditching their careers, going full on into climate change and sustainability because they think that the world is not moving fast enough. And I've been hearing even from staff at the World Economic Forum who are starting to wonder, hey, are we part of the problem? Are we pushing these people hard enough. So inside the WEF, there's a lot of pressure as well. And so that's why you're seeing this big mobilization for sustainability. You know, it, it got me thinking, because this, this World Economic Forum is happening right as Australia is still reeling from these awful fires. And it made me think, you know, is it going to kind of lit a, a proverbial fire under the bum of the powers that be to actually put their money where their mouth is? Uh, here, maybe, but not necessarily in Australia. So there's only one Australian minister who is turning up. Uh, there's really not any CEO from any Australian company. Why that you want. Well, you'll have to ask the Australians that, but I think they feel uh, very disconnected from a lot of these global climate discussions. Australian politicians haven't really sensed that global outrage is going to cause them to lose their jobs. And also, they are actually literally still dealing with the fires. And I think you're going to hear more and more of it. If you think the fires are done, no way. It's the Australian Tennis Open starting this week. There are players who've already been collapsing on court in coughing fits from the smoke that still remains. And if you start to see that day in, day out, that is going to be a real firestorm for the Australians who are here. And, and it's a real thing. My mother was trapped inside for five weeks because she has lung conditions. She couldn't leave her house because of these fires. And she wasn't even in danger in terms of the house burning down. It's just that bad that that's how people's lives are being affected. And I think it's going to become the working example for a lot of people around the world of why action needs to happen. And you know, what's very interesting is the WEF put out the sort of top five risks that have been on you know people's minds. And it's really striking for the first time, um, the top five long term risks in terms of likelihood of happening are all climate related. And they're extreme weather biodiversity loss, climate action failure, natural disasters, and human-made environmental disasters. You know, all of these trumped terrorism, populism, um, you know, data breaches. Uh, it's, it's really interesting to see that this is what people are now really worried about in terms of risk. And we're talking about CEOs, not just, uh, you know, governments. It's a terrible shame that it took that many koalas to burn, but I really do think that is a factor. So we are going to hear and see tension on stage this week in Davos. The sort of CEOs who are going to kick up a stink are people like Ibrahim Al-Husseini. He's the CEO of Full Cycle, which is a green investment firm. Here's what he has to say about why everybody needs to get involved in the climate challenge. Just remember that we do not live in a vacuum. And this idea that I can create a product 
or whatever it may be, and push off the externalities of that product onto the commons and be the, me and my shareholders be the ones that benefit from it at the cost of everyone else has to end from the human story. Because ultimately it benefits everyone. Because even those shareholders and even those financial winners in the equation still have to breathe air, they still have to drink water, they still live in this closed sphere, there is nowhere else to go. So everything has to be factored in from now on. We have the science, we have the data, we have the proof, technologies are ready, there's more than enough money sloshing around to fix this. There is no excuse to keep kicking the can forward and hoping that this becomes somebody else's problem. That was Ibrahim Al Husseini. We have more Davos Confidential coming your way right after a message from this week's sponsor. A message from Goldman Sachs. Today, sustainable finance is no longer on the sidelines, but increasingly core to a company's business. Goldman Sachs is focused on the dual themes of climate transition and inclusive growth to help its clients across all sectors navigate the transition to an inclusive, low-carbon economy. So what is inclusive growth? It entails supporting sustainable communities and drawing on innovative investing partnerships to provide more access and opportunity. And climate transition? It's when industries adapt their business model in response to a low-carbon economy. Goldman Sachs is committed to helping their clients position themselves for a future in which sustainability is core to all industries and integrated across markets. They will achieve this vision by doing what they do best, invest, finance, advise, and innovate to drive sustainable finance strategies that accelerate positive change. That's why Goldman Sachs is targeting $750 billion from nine sustainable finance growth areas by 2030. What are they? Learn more at gs.com slash sustainable finance. Okay, so moving on to perhaps something um, a little more Davos, uh, a little less lofty. Let's talk about these billboards that we're seeing all over oh, this town. Oh, I'm cringing just thinking about the billboards, Reem. Because, Ryan, you've been here already for a day now, right? Yeah. Okay. So this set the scene. Basically, every shop front in the main street of Davos is taken over by some big global company, some of whom you've never heard of, which is a sign of what's to come in the development of the Eurasian economy, let's say. The one that really got me a bit agitated yesterday was uh, Saudi Arabia. Now live. So that's a huge PR advertising campaign meant to boost tourism in Saudi Arabia. Except? Well, you can't live there if you happen to be gay or you might be a single woman or you're a motor journalist like Jamal Khashoggi. So it's a little bit uh, too soon, I think, for them to be having that billboard here. But they also have a coffee lounge, it seems. Yes, the Saudis will be trying to buy our love with free coffee this week. And the Saudis aren't the only ones up with, with some very interesting, perhaps unfortunate billboards, right? Reem, I want you to know that JD.com is empowering trust. Empowering trust. For those who don't know what JD.com is, it's China's largest online retailer. And let's just say that data trust is not exactly a strong suit Yeah, there. well, maybe they're using Cisco equipment. And did you know that that is the bridge to the possible? I did not know that. And I hope it isn't a bridge to nowhere. 
100%. But you've just got to keep innovating, Reem, because nothing affects the climate more than the status quo. That's from Hanwha. They're a Korean conglomerate. And I have to say, I read their website for several minutes last night, and I'm still confused about what they do. It appears to be a combination of advanced materials and financial services. You'll have to go to their website to find out more. And perhaps also they're specialized in just stating the obvious, it seems. Yes. So, Reem, one of the things that you mentioned kind of piqued your interest was the fact that mental health was really high on the agenda, it seems. So I didn't know this, but apparently 100 years ago, the clinics here in Davos that are sort of world-renowned used to be specialized in treating tuberculosis, and now they're treating burnout. And burnout, apparently, um, is super common among the CEOs because, apparently, the very traits that make exceptional senior executives like tenacity and resilience and risk-taking are are also linked to addiction and depression and anxiety. And so later this week, Dr. Marta Raw of a leading psychiatric treatment center in London is going to tell the participants um, here at the forum that over the past seven years, there's been a 500% increase in referrals of CEOs that have been uh, suffering from bipolar disorder, so much so that they've now redupted the CEO disease. And actually, throughout the week, there's going to be many more events talking about mental health and burnout in the workplace, which is something that is, wasn't necessarily a Davos thing before. I would agree with that. And I'm actually starting to pick up a pattern when I hear you talk about that, where in past years, we've had a lot of worries expressed about inequality and taxation. This year, it's climate. Now we'll be hearing more about mental health. And the pattern there is people wanting too much. This desire to always need more, to need more money in your own pocket instead of paying tax, to produce more, whatever the cost to the environment, to succeed and hit your targets, regardless of the cost to your mental health and your family. Having it all. Exactly. Maybe the message is... We don't just need a new type of capitalism, but there's something simpler that can be taken on board, is if we all just want it a little less, we might end up with a bit more. And so let's talk about, you know, Ryan, because you've been here so many times. What are eight your... Times. Eight, eight times. Eight times. Yeah. What brings you it's back It's like literally times. a third of my adult life's Januarys <laughs> have been spent up here. But is there anybody this year that you're looking forward to seeing that maybe you haven't seen in other years? I would love to see uh, Sanna Marin, the new Prime Minister of Finland. Uh, and I say that because I think Jacinda Ardern has had a really positive impact on the world. And I've, I've had a bit, um, I've, I've known her a bit over the years. So I'd love to, to see the new holder of that, that, that crown. Do you really think she's her heir? Yeah, 100%. I mean, Jacinda is a very outspoken a determined left-wing woman, and she's very uncompromising in her values. She's very uh, pragmatic, maybe, about how she achieves them, but she's very clear about what those values are, and she's unafraid to state them. And from what I've seen of the new Finnish prime minister, they're identical in that regard. So, but is she coming? Yes. And can you tell us who else will be here and maybe also who else won't be here? Well, Tuesday is going to be all about one man from Mar-a-Lago, President Donald Trump. He would like to prove that he's a statesman and he would like us to write about his speech here rather than his impeachment trial in the Senate. So you're going to expect to hear a lot 
there. Uh, Ursula von der Leyen, who is the new European Commission president, she has been a board of trustee member at the World Economic Forum for a long time. So she's got several speeches during the course of the week. Angela Merkel will be the big name on Thursday. And I hear we might be in for a treat with some other names. So keep an eye out for a surprise visit from Theresa May, for example. Uh, and we will keep you up to date on others. But Prince Charles, uh, he's not Prince Harry, not Meghan Markle, but he will be here holding up the royal family flag on Wednesday because Boris Johnson has refused to allow any of his cabinet ministers to come up the mountain. Except... Tell me more. Except the one that really matters, right? Which is the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Sajid Javid. I had no idea. Look at that. Breaking news here at Politico. Playbook has been beaten to its own game by the new Playbook author. There we go. And the Department of International Trade in the UK, the head of that, Antonia Romeo, she's going to be here as well. Emmanuel Macron, he is another absentee. Yeah, he's sitting it out this year because officially he's going to Israel and the Palestinian territories. It's the 75th anniversary of Auschwitz. Uh, the liberation of Auschwitz, of course. And so he wanted to be in Jerusalem for that. God forbid we'd be saying that it might be in relation with the strikes he's currently facing off with and this pesky reputation he continues to have about being the president of the rich. He also is kind of cheeky because... He's not going to fix that problem by coming to Davos. Exactly. But he's also set up his very own French Davos. It's a bit like the Indian Davos at the Raisina Forum. That was happening in New Delhi last week. You know, it's all of these uh, sort of world leaders that are kind of piggybacking over on on the CEOs who are on their way to the Davos. They're they're stopping off in uh, Paris and getting the full treatment from the Elysee that is trying to tell them what a much better investment environment France has become since President Macron has been doing his reforms. And so it's called Choose France. So as we prepare for tomorrow, maybe Ryan, you can give Reem and I a few tips as to how we can navigate this. Oh, insensible shoes, please. That is always my top advice. You mean our stilettos won't do? They will not work up here in Davos. Uh, I do recommend that people use public transport and walk. And I know that sounds uh, very right on. That's not the point. The point is your private car is the worst possible way to travel in Davos because the traffic is very clogged, let's say. So you're much better off walking for your own health in terms of meeting people. and, uh, And it's good for the environment as well. All right. Well, great. We can't wait to do this every day and get you more and more of the insider uh, insights that you won't hear anywhere else. So don't forget to tune in this week to Davos Confidential and sign up for Davos Playbook on politico.eu forward slash Davos dash playbook. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.